You are now listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything that's anything with your hosts, David and Brenda. Now, let's get to talking about this and that. Hello out there. Welcome to Podcast Land Studio. We are here with your co-host, Brenda, also known as Ms. Brenbren. And this is David, a.k.a. Dr. David, a.k.a. The Professor. And we are, again, your co-hosts for the ever-popular podcast, This and That. And thank you for checking us out for this edition of our weekly podcast. This is uh, July 6, 2019, two days after the 4th of July celebrations here in the United States. And boy, have people been celebrating. I mean, yeah. there have been fireworks all over the place. Um, yeah, as, as per usual, even though here in our part of the world it is illegal to set off your own fireworks in the backyard. But that's not stopping <laughs> Clearly anybody. Clearly not enforced. <laughs> People are enjoying their fireworks and they are enjoying their uh, barbecues and cookouts and there's been a lot of good eating going on for the last few days. Uh, yes, that's always the case. Uh, July 4th is one of these unofficial eating holidays. In fact, you have the, the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Competition every year. Yeah, and what's his name? Joey Chestnut. Yeah, Joey Chestnut wins yet again. I think he ate like 73 hot dogs or something like he, that. He almost, he was a little shy of his record. I think it was four off from his record. Yeah. It, which is ridiculous. I don't understand how anybody can eat hot dogs more than like one or two but to eat 70 plus in a matter of minutes plus the bread i could see it if you were just talking maybe the wieners but you're talking the bread that's just insane well congratulations to joey for winning the male uh competition of of hot dog eating and i don't remember the female's name but this was like, I think, her sixth year of winning the um, competition. Yeah, she's been dominating. There, there was Sonia the Black Widow, who's the um, uh, small woman, who uh, I think she might have been in Japan or she was Japanese-American. She dominated for a while, but she's kind of dropped off of there. I don't even know if she's still competing. And you've had, um, I've, I've forgotten her name, the same woman's been competing and winning. Like yeah, said, but like I so said, I don't remember her name, but no. she's, this is, I believe, her sixth year. So congratulations to her, and um, you folks keep eating your hot dogs out there. Yep, and keeping uh, Tums and Pepto-Bismol in business. Among other, um, <laughs> among other medications that they're probably keeping in business, but that's more than what folks were w- wishing to hear. Yeah, TMI. Anyway, again, welcome to our 23rd edition of This and That. Yep, episode 23. Yep, and um, as always, we're talking everything that's anything. And what is your one-word descriptor for what we do? I would consider this to be either uh, edutainment or infotainment, one or the other. Yeah, I prefer the word infotainment because... 
Which Again, we use, talk yeah. about everything that's anything. And it's up to you to listen to what we have to say and you do whatever you like with what we share. We would like to uh, thank you and all who listen to our podcast, whether this is your first time or whether you come back week after week. We thank you, thank you, thank you. And we want to give a shout out to um, some cities that are listening in. And we'll start out with Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Houston, Texas. Chicago, Illinois. San Jose, California. And those are just a few cities here in the United States. Now let's go abroad and shout out to Bogota, Colombia. Benimala, Morocco. Varna, Bulgaria. And Libreville, Gabon. Thank you again to everyone that keeps coming back and listening to what we have to say. Now we want to give a special shout out, especially since since this is the weekend after all the Independence Day celebrations, to the men and women in the U.S. military, those in uniform that are protecting us so that we can enjoy our liberties, our freedoms, and our rights that are afforded to us as Americans. So thank you to those men and women in uniform, their families, and the civilian supporters. Yes, thank you for your service. I know that some of you are getting over all the cookouts and that kind of stuff. So you're listening to us on demand. And that is wonderful because listening to us is free. And where can people listen to us, David? They can find the podcast at several locations, including our home base of SoundCloud, also Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play Music, and TuneIn. We're also available on Alexa voice-assisted devices. Now, if you want to uh, send us an email... For example, do you have a question, comment, or maybe you want to make sure we give a shout-out to your location, um, the city and country that you're from. Where can folks email us that information? They can send an email to thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. That's this, the letter N, that, all nine characters together, at sign, aboutgreatercincinnati.com. And if you also send us an email and ask us to add us to our email distribution list, we can add them, right? Yes, we can add anyone to our email distribution list. Just send email message to the aforementioned email address of a subject line such as sign me up for email distribution list or add me to email distribution list, something like that. Or put it in the the body and it shall happen. Yes, Um, it shall happen. And you know what else is going to happen? No, what? We are going to tell folks what we're going to talk about, which is different from what we told folks we were going to talk about at the end of our last episode. Is it not? It is. And and loyal listeners to the podcast will know that, because I've mentioned this before, uh, just like with uh, their favorite cable news show 
that uh, they'll tune into and someone will say they were, were working on show X, but uh, current events came in and intervened, so they ripped up that script, and now they're having show Y. And that's so, kind of what's happened to uh, this and that episode 23. So what are we going to talk about on episode 23 now? Uh, well, current events. There are all sorts of unique current events that happened this week. And Brenda and I essentially um, looked at ourselves. And while we are having the production meeting said, yeah, we, we got to go with the current events here and put uh, the, the originally planned episode 23 on the back burner. So... David, you're asking, get on with it. What is it that we're going to cover? Yeah, right. David, get on with it. What are we going to cover? <laughs> so, first we're going to talk about the uh, President Trump and the various D.C., Washington, D.C., 4th of July celebrations. And we'll leave it at that to keep it short and sweet right now. Another thing we're going to talk about is the U.S. Census happens next year, and there's a big controversy over whether or not certain question or questions should be on the form or not, and we're going to talk about that. Also, Nike was set to release a new shoe on the 4th of July, and they canceled that, and we're going to talk about what that's all about. Finally, we're going to talk about in the current events category a young lady, 15-year-old, Corey, better known as Coco Goff, who is uh, taking on the Wimbledon All-England Tennis Club Championship by storm. Yeah, I think she's got a few fans out there now. Just a few. And her parents, too. Yeah. Then we're going we're gonna to end with uh, words of wisdom, and we'll just keep that right now as a surprise for folks, what that's about. All right, so we are in the world of infotainment, and... Um, and I think that fits to build what you've described we're going to talk about. So shall we get on with it? Uh, we shall, should indeed. Let's go. You are now listening to This and That with David and Brenda. Okay, this is the weekend after all of the 4th of July celebrations. And one of the big ones that they talked about was what was going to happen in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. And they kept talking about how there was going to be this military parade and tanks were going to come down the street and you're going to think you were in another country, not in the U.S. So, what happened? Okay. Every year, just so to let people know, every year Washington, D.C., like a lot of places around the U.S., has a 4th of July parade. This year, and there are tons of other celebrations that happen every 4th of July in, in D.C. They have a parade, and they're not done by the same organizations. It just happens in the same day. So there's a parade that happens during the, um, the late morning, early afternoon hours. They have, um, as you might know if you catch it on a um, PBS and some other places. There's a concert that happens every year in Washington, D.C. They have a fireworks show that happens every year and a bunch of other things. And D.C. And, and DC is, like you said, is not the only place that has these kind of celebrations. No, they happen all the time. 
and we'll just leave it at that. And every, I'm sure where our listeners are in, in the U.S., or if they are overseas in some American enclave or military uh, installation, there's all sorts of uh, events that happen every 4th. But we're going to focus on what happened in D.C. Yes. So those were the normal events. Now, early, earlier on this week, uh, President Trump decided he was going to um, put on his producer hat, I would say, because when he had The Apprentice, he was one of the executive producers and also producer producers, as in how the show should run. Not because so the executive producers basically, they hire and I'm going to give you, pay. well, I thought they wouldn't give you money. They hire and fire and pay, that's what I said, okay. and, and give pay, money, yes. But they, that's the executive. They, they have the money, so they, say they have controls over who to hire and fire and everything else. Yes. Because they producer have the producer are the people but that produ- do the work. Um, in terms of putting the show or this the is what together. yeah lighting should go this and and Trump did both. He and his good friend Mark Burnett put the show together. So I would say Trump put on his producer hat and decided, gee, all the stuff that happens in D.C. we can do better. You know, then this is how I think Trump just kind of woke up one morning and decided to do this. So his idea was let's bring in some and and to back up a little bit. Two years ago, he was in France, and his first overseas trip to France as president, and um, President Macron in France, and his wife hosted Trump and Melania, and as part of what the French do, and if you've ever been to, to France, even on no kind of special occasions, you will notice there is a huge military presence all the time in and around, around Paris. I mean, just leave it at that. There's military is all over Paris. And so, and you also notice the Eiffel Tower is bigger than the <laughs> bank. That's another story. That's another story. We'll have to get into the whole Eiffel Tower thing later. Um, but anyway, the um, the scene just interrupted my whole train of thought with the Eiffel Tower thing because I'm going back to that whole experience. But and the people, Eiffel Tower is bigger than you think. But anyway, move on. It's it's yeah. It's, move I don't know how on, it's please. You brought it up now. But I'm saying move uh, yes, on, move fine. on. Fine. Anyway, they brought out the military tanks and stuff, and I said it was a military parade. To see them. So yes. there. And on that note, yeah. Okay. Since since that was seen there, ever since then, um, Trump has wanted to have a military parade here, and if you keep up with the news, you will know that he has tried on a couple of occasions to have a military parade. The last one was Veterans Day last year, and it didn't happen. We won't get into the reasons why. But Fourth of July wanted to do something to, quote-unquote, salute America, including the military. That's Trump's producer hat thing. So because of this, I think people conflated a whole bunch of stuff, and even though the White House said there wasn't going to be a military parade, there were going to be tanks and APCs and whatever around the mall and the like, so the kids... And I can tell you, growing up as a military brat, you see this during July 4th and Veterans Day and other occasions where if there are parades or just events, there will be, you know, military helicopters, sea stallions, who knows what, tanks that are out there and, you know, it's basically so people can see what this, is th- what this stuff's all about. They'll have um, troops around... 
so that they can explain it to you, kids can go in and out, etc. So that's not unusual to me. Clearly in the civilian world, people just freaked out over this and thought there'd be tanks going down the street like it was some old Soviet parade or a parade in North Korea or China today, something like that, or Russia today. And none of that happened. The parade was just a normal parade. And Brenda and I watched say, it I was to watch it. I was disappointed. I tried to tell you there would because be nothing rumbling down the street. people in the media kept talking about, you're going to see all these tanks, there's going to be all these... Um, airplanes on the the back of um of uh what do you call it trucks that are gonna be or you mean missiles not missiles airplanes. or whatever <laughs> that's gonna be transporting them down the street. I mean that's what I was thinking I was gonna see. And I but, told you that they made that all up. But what did I see? Um marching bands, uh drum corps. Um yeah and shout out to LaSalle High School. Band they were that in the was Washington in DC the parade. national yeah. parade. So, congrats to you guys. Who knew? Yeah, coming from Southwest Ohio, and you did a great job, by the way. And so did all the other high school bands that were playing, and the different groups that had their floats. Right. And um, yeah, you had you know the, the marching. Uh, we call it the young ladies that twirled batons and oh, they're they're rhythmic. Gymnastics yeah. folks, those people. They yeah. were in the the, the, the the parade as well. Oh, and there was one little girl who clearly did not want to be there. Well, she didn't want to be there, but she was there. It was probably too hot for her because it was very hot. Yeah, I believe it was like 100 plus degrees. So Yeah, he didn't index why, yeah. So um, shout out again to all who participated in the parade. They did a great job. Yeah, you had your classic cars. You had Miss Marilyn and her court. I mean, it was a normal parade. You had the old bicycles, too. That's right. Yep, you had the old bicycles. But again, that aren't with, even with all of that, I was still disappointed because <laughs> I was looking for tanks. I thought that's what I was going to see. And again, I told you that wasn't going to happen. You were going to have tanks rumbling down Constitution Avenue because because the city council wouldn't even allow it anyway if they wanted to do that. But yeah, it, w- it would mess up the streets. I'm yeah, sure. the, the tracks would just it would just. Eat it to shreds. Because they had to put them on, you know, special carriers and trains just to get them into D.C. to begin with. So so that was that. That was the parade. And it was a, it was a special parade. And we, we had to search it out on online on the Internet. Now, the other new thing that was shoehorned into all the other festivities was uh, from uh, hour-long speech by the president, the actual, quote-unquote, salute to America, where it was uh, essentially go through the history of the U.S., from the revolution, etc., and salute the five, all five branches of the military. So Coast Guard, Air Force, Army, Navy, Marines. And yes, not, not necessarily he, he did say Coast Guard. Most people don't think of the Coast Guard first, as too. part of the military, yeah. but they are part of the five branches. So shout out to those in the Coast Guard, uh, as well as the Marines, the Air Force, the Army, and the Navy. Absolutely. So that was the speech, and that was the part that everybody had trepidations about for a variety of reasons, uh, mainly because they're, they're, when, when Trump gives a speech, there are two Trumps. There's, if he's on the teleprompter, reading whoever wrote the speech and the like, all, everything's kosher. If you start diverting from the teleprompter, who knows what's going to happen. But again, the press was certain this would turn into, you know, a, a Trump MAGA rally. So, again, because Miss Brenda and I are 
um, skeptical of everything and want to see things for ourselves versus have folks tell us what happened, we were watching the speech to see, or listening to the speech, to see if what, what the president said wasn't going to turn to a MAGA rally and everything else. Now, I, it, I personally didn't see anything wrong with it. I thought he did a great job. Um, he stayed on script. Speech, speech. Which he stayed on script. Which, which I wish I could have bet some of these reporters, you know, because they were just certain he was like, oh, if he stays on, because they get excerpts of the speech before we, you know, peons do, and they were certain it was like, oh, this is boring, because one person literally said this speech is boring. He's not going to stick to the script, and it's like if I had, you know, a dollar for every time I heard something like that, that'd be, you know, significant. Pay, you, pay you'd for be gas. a rich man. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, we wouldn't always be telling folks we don't have any money. <laughs> That's right. We might be matter. able to pay for a while too. too and we could exactly, but we weren't able to um, bet on this, and yeah. um, now, it turned out to not be a political speech. And I was very grateful to hear on Independence Day of all days, it was not a political speech. No, it wasn't a political speech. Um, at, at, at one point, because it was raining or something, the teleprompter screwed up. So Trump did go off, off topic and that's where he started, which is interesting, but you know, it is, it is what it is. Uh, it was during the part of the revolutionary war and that's where you might've heard he started talking about the, the continental army, uh, storming airports or whatever, which of course is hundreds of years before the Wright brothers. It was so, no airport. There was no airport, and like, and and to be quite honest, that part went by so quickly. I never heard the word airport, and I never heard it either. It was only it was, the next day when we were listening to um, another radio broadcast, uh, and a talk show person said he said the word airport. I'm like, no, he didn't. And David did the research, and oh well, yes, he did. Found out, yes, he did. And it was during the part where he rammed a little bit, talking about ramming the ramparts. And so, I mean, it was it was goofy. It was a really weird, goofy sentence and all. So it stuck up in there. But So you really, really had to be had paying, to really close, paying attention, close attention. Looking for something that you just had to point out that he did, I guess, wrong? Yeah. But, but the other criticism, if you want to criticize the speech, it was... It was um, it was like a Faulkner novel, Stream of Consciousness. And it was like Faulkner meets postmodernism because past and future. Because you could you could make the argument that, uh, for example, back there were parts of things that happened in the world uh, in the War of eighteen twelve that kind of run on the Revolutionary War. And it's like, well, that didn't happen during the Revolutionary War. But it's not. It's unclear if it's it's unclear if whoever put the speech together and or Trump or both of them didn't understand that some of these things happened, like the Star-Spangled Banner, Francis Scott Key, that happened in, that happened in the War of 1812. But it, it was so jammed up, a lot of the, the things, because it was tied around the branches. It wasn't a timeline. So I, I, I know people have criticized, criticized that. But it is what it is. The speech was fine. I think I, this is like the fourth speech in a row where, where, you know, not counting the, the rally stuff. I mean, fourth speech, real speech, where Trump is stuck to the script and, and not been 
at least consciously divisive and the like. And as I told Brenda, he, in his own way, is trying to be presidential, but he's not being presidential in the way the establishment wants him to be presidential, so he'll always be criticized for it. But I'm sure in his own mind, he is being presidential and when I he does this stuff. And I said to David, what does presidential mean? And that's, that's such a loaded thing. That's like the electability from last week. Um, I don't know. I'm going to take the Supreme Court test. The Supreme Court said... Pornography, they can't really define it, but you know it when you see it. It's the same thing with presidential. I can't really define it, but you know it when you see it or hear it. And then, like I said, this is, this is Trump, in my opinion, his attempts at being presidential. Now, is it enough? Is it good enough? Is it where it should be? No, but he's trying. All right. And I'll give for, him credit for trying. And for our listeners out there, don't think we're sitting in podcast land studio with MAGA rally hats on. We are oh, not. No, no, no. We do not have MAGA hats on. But like David said, we do like to decide for ourselves if something is what it really is. And that's why we talk about everything that's anything and we observe for ourselves. We look at things for ourselves and we make up our own minds. And we're fair-minded. The only other thing about the um, the close out the night, they had the fireworks show, and people were complaining about that. The, uh, and even though, because the fireworks show is usually twenty minutes long, but it's thirty was thirty five minutes long because of extra fireworks and a whole bunch of other things like that. But um, no taxpayers paid for that. That was donated by um, somebody, who who are um, um, contributors, I guess. To but, the president. They paid for that. But, it, but again, it wasn't a partisan thing. You didn't have up in the sky, you know, make America great again, whatever, which some people thought. Just like there were crazy conspiracy theories of, oh, there are going to be tanks rolling in because he's going to stage a coup and the Congress won't, they're gone and they won't be able to get back into Congress. And I looked at Brenda and said, you know, that sounds like the plot from... Triple X State of the Union with Ice Cube. Do people realize that that's the level that they're descending to now? Yeah, this was no movie, folks. <laughs> or you could go back and be more sophisticated and say, well, that's like Seven Days of May, which like a lot I of people said, weren't even born when that movie It was, was no movie, we folks. It happened in real life. We saw it for ourselves. Um, it was great to see the military flyovers from all five branches. And again... Thank you to the men and women who are out there protecting our liberties, our rights. And um, we appreciate you giving your all to make sure America remains independent. Yeah, the, air, the, the, the flyovers were, were fine. I think the Air Force One flyover was completely unnecessary, but, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> and for that... That ends this part about talking about our national celebration in D.C. And again, thank you to all. You are now listening to This and That with David and Brenda. Current event topic number two, also in the kind of public sector political sphere. There's been this whole back and forth recently about the U.S. Census. And should there be a question... The Trump administration wants to add a question about um, are you a citizen or not to the form, and they've been sued in 
in uh, the courts. They expedited that up to the Supreme Court. And I'm paraphrasing here. John Roberts basically looked at Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary, which, which owns doing the census, and, and, and essentially said, your, your reasoning for doing this, and, it, and this is spelled out in the Constitution, the whole census stuff. So a lot of things presidents can do, and they don't necessarily have to have a reason for it, or even a reason that makes sense. But this is in the Constitution, so if you want to divert from some things, um, you you got to have a, a real reason. And John Roberts basically looked at Wilbur Ross and said, you know, I'm throwing the BS flag. Go back and and come back when you, you've got your act together and have a real reason. Um, which is not the same thing. I've heard people report that the Supreme Court ruled that it was unconstitutional. But no, they didn't. The Supreme Court basically didn't rule at all. They basically just kind of threw it out and said, go back and deal with this in the lower courts and come back to us when, when, when you got your act together. And have well, a, what's a wrong with asking that particular question? Well, they used to, ha they used to ask this, um, you know, long before our time, and then they took it off. The, 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 what I've heard, and I'm not sure I buy, buy the explanations, but what I've heard is that by asking the citizenship question, it would be, number one, um, the census isn't about counting citizens. It's about counting um, people who live in the United States. That's fine because that doesn't preclude those folks. But then it would have a quote-unquote chilling effect on those people who are here but not citizens. Or maybe they are citizens, but for some reason they feel like they shouldn't fill it out. Or if they're green card holders, so they're, they're um, legal residents, I don't know. But because that's the theory, that there would be folks that would not fill out the census and there would be undercounts. And uh, this is something I did not know, did not, hadn't really thought about it. When the, the census is used to form congressional districts, because every congressional district is 750,000 people, and, and then, of course, money flows from that, how many people you have in your congressional districts, counties, metropolitan statistical areas, and et cetera. And... You know, since that question was removed in the 50s, whether you're a legal resident or not, you're counted, and that goes into how big your congressional districts are and everything else and how much money you get. I did not realize that. I, I know that they were counting everybody, but I assumed that there was going to, you know, there was going to be something based on legal residents, etc. But well, legal, I, illegal, I, if you're counted, you're counted, and, and that plays into these numbers. Well, I and always that's what people are upset about, that, that the, the numbers will go down. The census was counting legal residents. It, I thought it was about Counting anybody, anybody who's getting the form and filling it out and is here. And there are advocates that want, it, want everybody counted, whether they're legal or not legal. And that's the big controversy. So... Is it a good idea or a bad idea? I do not see evidence. This is just me. I think we live in a world today, when we were growing up, we always worried about the government and Big Brother. And I'm going to have to digress here a little bit, folks. I'm less worried about the government having a whole bunch of information than I am private companies today having a whole bunch of information. So the fact that the government would have this, this information and they're precluded from using it in all sorts of different ways, 
I would be, if, if it were me, I would be less concerned about that than if, say, they, you know, Google or Facebook or fill in the blank, it doesn't even have to be a tech company. Any company that does a whole bunch of things with data and the like, if they had this data, I would be more concerned about that and I could see people being up in arms about that. But the government doing it, I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about the government having that data. But that's me and that's easy for me to say because, you know, I'm not going to get deported and I'm not in fear of getting deported. I personally think it's a good idea. I would like to know, it's just a metric, I, I'm into numbers. I would like to know how many people are citizens versus legal residents. That's, you know, kind of interesting. And if you could chart that to see, gee, how many legal people today or legal residents are going to become citizens versus not? Because you, you hear anecdotally both ways that, um, like after 9-11, you heard a lot of things like, oh, people are leaving the country and going back to their home countries. And yes, some of that did happen, but a lot of it didn't happen. People still came here legally and, and illegally. So it'd be nice to chart that out and say, no, all this fuss and, and the like didn't really have, a, have a, uh, an impact. And we need to know that because the, we got a lot of social programs that are um, um, non-discretionary, meaning they have to be paid out. And they work off of people being here to work, taxes taken out, etc. And the birth rate among citizens hasn't dropped below the replacement rate yet. It's getting close. We're not, I mean, Europe, and a lot of, in a lot of countries around the globe, not just Europe, it is, you know, negative. Like Scotland, a long time ago, negative. Russia, negative. So Scotland, they're trying to take in tons of people, and other countries are trying to take in tons of, of immigrants. In the U.S., we need to keep the immigrant pipeline coming in because we're getting, you know, close. People are having kids later in life. They're having fewer kids, and we're living longer. So you, you need to have, you know, that workforce there so that all these programs people want and the Democrats want to expand them, you know, Medicare for all, even if they don't do Medicare for all, if a Democrat is president in the next go-round, I think it's a safe prediction to say that, you know, you're going to be 51 and you're going to be able to get on Medicare if you want. I, I mean, this is, I think that's going to happen, or 55. The Medicare age is going to drop substantially. And, you know, some people are going to wring their hands how we're going to pay for it and everything else, but it's going to, it's going to happen, along with prescription drugs, a bunch of stuff is going to happen. All right, well, let's go and back. And you need, that's what you need. It would be nice to know and chart these things because, again, we need to, to have immigrants replacements. But if we're not really, if we're just, you know, globbing all these numbers together, how are you going to really, really know until it's too late for the most part, that the replacement rate isn't there. So going back to and the question to get that people. the um, Supreme Court said, nope, you can't add it to the census, uh, come back and try again. Why can't you ask both? Why can't you ask, are you a citizen or are you a, a legal resident or whatever? Why can't you ask both? Um, it's just ask one, because if you ask both, then I, then I, I do side with the immigration advocates um, and when I say immigration advocates, I mean people who don't care if you're here legally or Ill illegally. Um, because by process of elimination, you would know, aha, uh -huh, this person is legal. That, that would have a chilling effect. Just ask one question. Because if you're not a citizen, and this is, this is why I don't buy this whole argument. If I say, if there's a citizenship question and I say no, 
the assumption should be that person then is a legal resident. It shouldn't be, oh, they're illegal. We got lots of people in this country so in who are essence, not residents, who are not um, in essence. Citizens. You are asking both questions. Yes, by asking the one, and that's why I don't have a problem with asking the question. But you gotta ask just one question. Don't ask two questions because then again, it's like triangulation. You, ah, these these people here that are no and no, they're no no and no. All right, so let's and ask. That's a problem. Let's ask our listeners. What do you think? Good idea or bad idea? Send us an email. Yes, at this and that at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. That's this, the letter N, that, at sign, aboutgreatercincinnati.com. We'd like to know what you think. Or drop a, um, a comment on our home base of SoundCloud for episode 23, and um, we'll get that as well. Listen to This and That on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other major podcast apps and services. Moving on to sports. Uh, first sports story, Nike was coming out of a line of shoes, and I forget what they, the, the technical name or the, the, the actual marketing name for the shoe. It's, I just call it the Betsy Ross flag shoe. And it actually looked kind of cool. It was supposed to come out July 4th. Make a long story short, Nike canceled the shoe after um, Colin Kaepernick, who had nothing to do with producing the shoe and that, or marketing it or anything, got, all, got wind of it. I mean, he's doing things with Nike. He's got a deal. So just like probably the Nike employees and other folks associated with Nike, they got an inside word that this was coming. He told the Nike execs, bad idea, drop it. The whole original 13 stars for the 13 colony flag was um, um, created during a time of slavery, so that's offensive. Plus, the flag itself is being used by white supremacists. So, you know, you got two strikes, why are you going to wait for a third? And they were like, okay, fine. So they, you know, called Walmart and everybody else, put locker and said, no, don't don't sell the shoe. We're doing a, a recall. That's probably not... not probably not a recall but they're taking the shoe back clawing it back so are you telling me that we're supposed to rewrite history this was a weird one for me because by that logic yeah i mean by that logic there's so many things that we shouldn't discuss or have anything to do with because slavery was happening during those times so i didn't even get that part of his his argument and i've heard this argument from other people who have been on television and radio um various scholars and like and i i just don't i don't understand their logic now the whole thing about some white supremacists have have um um utilized this the symbol all i can find on this is there's one group that was in somewhere in the northeast and they would send out a flyer, it was a KKK group, they sent out a flyer and they had like a KKK uh, horseman in the hood regalia on a horse and then in his left hand, and it was, it's a he, looks like from, even though the hood is on and all, it just looks like a he. And then his left hand, it's got the stars and bars, the Confederate battle flag. Um, and then in the right hand, he's got the original 13th Colonies Betsy Ross flag. This is the only place I can find where white supremacists have used this symbol in public anyway. 
what they're doing in the in their own crazy dark websites or in their wherever they have their meetings, I couldn't tell you, but in public. And to that I say, you don't just like white people shouldn't, we as black folks shouldn't allow white people to tell us who's black and who's not black and what blackness is. As Americans, patriotic Americans, we shouldn't let our enemies, and white supremacists are part of that as well, co-opt our symbols. They don't get to do that. So if we don't want the Betsy Ross flag to be a symbol of white supremacy, it's up to us to stop it. That's all I can say about that. The Confederate flag, stars and bars, people ignored that, you know, because you had the north-south divide and the you know, west of the Mississippi, nobody cared. So it was generation after generation after generation that that flag symbol, and from the very beginning, meant something. And, and that's, so you can't do anything about that. But the Betsy Ross flag, you could do something about. So I, I really don't understand why people have kind of admitted defeat on this. And until someone gives me more evidence that this is, it's, it's kind of like the, oh, the white supremacists use a lot of symbols. They have like hand symbols and some other stuff, with, just like gangs. Like they have, um, they've kind of tried to co-opt the okay symbol because okay hand gesture. And there are people saying, oh, don't do the okay symbol because white supremacists. It's like, we can try and we can try and take it back. Just because they're using it, we can take it back. It's, that's my <clears throat> attitude on this. Well, they don't I, get to I don't agree American with um, Mr. Kaepernick. Um, I think Nike should not have allowed him to basically change their mind and because the shoe was something that I think a lot of people were looking forward to and they did, had no problems with the symbol. Um, the symbol, as far as I'm concerned, um, there's nothing wrong with it. It's part of our history. Um, like someone once said, if you don't recall or remember your history, you're doomed to repeat it. And I don't see anything wrong with, you know, that's part of history. Why not remember this is what it used to be in the past. Today we have 50 stars on the U.S. flag. So at some point down the road, is there going to be somebody that says, no, we should not have the um, 50 stars and, and stripes? And, and most of the discussion has been not about the, the whole white supremacist symbols, because that's a, such a weak argument, in, in my opinion. It's been about, it's, it's, it's you know, slavery. It's, it's kind of like the July 4th argument, that's, which we don't have time to get into. But the, there, there are um, African Americans that do not celebrate July 4th as a holiday. They'll have barbecues and cookouts and everything else, but they don't celebrate the 4th of July. And, okay, that's fine. I'm not mad at them either way. But I, I think, to me, this whole Betsy Ross flag is the same kind of thing, but they're trying to, to, to lay their rationale on the country on this one. And that, that's, that one I have a problem. If they want to believe, oh, that's a bad symbol, okay, fine. Um, and that the war for independence wasn't a war for black folks, even though black people fought in the Revolutionary War, on both sides, by the way. Now, going back to the American side of, of all this... There were the, Americans in the... The first person to die... That's, that was my question. Who was the first person to die? Yes. 
Um, history would say the first um, colonist to die for the revolution was Crispus Attucks. And Crispus Attucks was a free black man, African, that lived in Boston. And during their various, they had various disturbances and, and rebellions, uh, he was killed by the, the British, the Redcoats, and, and martyred. So that, again, this whole, this is this mythology that every black person during the Revolutionary War was in, enslaved and it didn't really matter. No, that's not, that's just not reality. And of course, there were more Africans enslaved in the 1700s than not. But the promise of America, and this is how I would phrase it, the, the, the Jefferson, who was Thomas Jefferson, who was the, the author of the Declaration of Independence, laid out a beautiful document and an ideal. He himself didn't live up to that ideal, but that doesn't mean we don't keep pushing people to live up to this ideal and change the country to live up to the ideal. And that's just, just where I'm at. If you've given up on it, then there are lots of other places to live. You don't have to live in the United States. You can revoke your American citizenship as well. It's gotten easier over time. Well, I don't Give think... Give up your citizenship and go somewhere else. It's, I don't think a, Nike should have uh, pulled plug on their shoe. They should have gone forth with it. I don't see anything wrong with it. So, to our listeners, again, we ask the question, what do you think? Overreaction or justification? Should Nike have done what they did? Where would they email us and let us know? Listen that at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. That's this, the letter N, that, at sign, aboutgreatercincinnati.com. You know, another unexpected sports story is what's happening over across the pond at Wimbledon 2019. Every 4th of July week, Wimbledon is going on in England. So that is the one of the four major Grand Slam tournaments in tennis. You have that one, the Australian Open, the French Open, and the U.S. Open here. And this year, the um, folks who, who run the tournament there gave a 15-year-old... African-American high school student who just happens to also play a pretty mean game of tennis, an invite to a wild card. She was she ranked... is ranked 313, mind you. Well, not anymore. She was. No, I said was. She was. When she got, when the, she invite, got the invite, her ranking at the time was number 313 on the WTA circuit. Right, uh, Women's Tennis Association. And that's what the wild card is for. Wild card slots are for... No, she's some, given a qualifier. Well, it, it was a wild, wild card slot to then qualify. I, this is how they wrote it in the paper. The way they're... It's just like Wimbledon doesn't have the same kind of rules, like tiebreak, whatever. It, clearly in Wimbledon, wild cards have to qualify. That's how I, I took that. So, um, she went through qualified, won all her matches. She didn't lose a set in any of her qualifying uh, matches. And then uh, she is now, to make a long story short, into the round of 16, which means she plays into the second week. And um, as the name implies, out of the um, several folks who were in the tournament to begin with, they're now down to just 16 women. And she is one of them. On Monday, she plays Simona Halep, 
who's a former number one in the world. I think she's ranked number seven right now. So that should be rather interesting. Yeah, in her goes. in her first, when she got into the main draw after qualifying, her first the first person she played was Venus Williams, one of her idols. No pressure. No pressure whatsoever. You're on the other end. You are of the court, and you are look over the net, and you see your idol. What do you think you're gonna do? A lot of people are going to crumble. They're going to give up and basically go, Oh, I'm playing my idol. I can't beat that person. So forth and so on. Not Coco. No. She um, handles pressure extremely well. And uh, she defeated uh, Venus Williams, I believe, in straight sets. On that, um, wasn't paying attention during that time because I didn't think anything interesting was going on at Wimbledon. It was like, huh, what? 15-year-old beat, beat Venus. And even though Venus is 39, I know a lot of people are going to be out there. Come on, David. Venus is 39. She has um, 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 Sjogren's. Uh, Sjogren's disease, thank you, and a whole bunch of other issues these days. But I'm sorry. If you see Venus play live, even at... Um, all these challenges and the age she's at now, uh, I'm sorry, she can take she can, out... She can still play. <laughs> yes, she can, she can take out half of the top 20. And on a good day, she could take out the other half, still today. It's, the problem with Venus is, because of her challenges, having that good day is few and far between. So it was not a simple feat for Coco to, to take out Venus. And she hasn't stopped there. Now, back up just a little bit. Okay. The night before, she played Venus. She's 15. And what did she do? She had a science test to take. Right, yeah. She got a B on her science test. Yeah, I know. So that means studying, taking the test, and the next day you're playing Venus Williams. But that's a good thing. It helps her... She's able to compartmentalize, and I think that helps her with the mental aspects of the game. In a strange way, I'm not sure most most of the commentators get this, but she's got a... And, oh, and by the way, I think the science teacher was one of the teachers at the school that didn't even know she's a, no, a, she, a I, I don't tennis player at this level. So anyway, uh, so that's interesting in and of itself. But um, but yeah, Coco handled She handled pressure. it very well. Very well. And if you... you if you see her play, um, even through the through um, it comes through the, the television screen. She handles pressure very very well, and she's got um, you know I think a huge future ahead of her. No matter what happens at Wimbledon, and for those who don't know, here in Southwest Ohio, we have one of the um, mandatory stops on both the men and women's side of the tour and that is the Western and Southern Open out in Mason, Ohio and um, I would just say for folks associated with that tournament uh, regardless of what happens with Coco hope you have week, been watching you all should because she's ranked now 100 and something I, 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 I think she has moved up to uh, now 139 yeah, and that's if the she beats Simona I believe she goes up to 100. That's, yeah, something so, like that. 
I hope you guys are watching. And By the way, give her an invite. She should get an invite to, um, in my opinion, be, be a, a wild card and to skip the qualifying, personally. That's just me. Um, but at the very least, she should be a qualifier out there. She should be in this tournament coming up. Yeah, so Corey Coco Golf, you are doing a great job and um, keep playing your tennis. Absolutely. And um, her, her parents, a lot of times, I think they carry the worry, worry for her out in the stands until the match is over. So um, they're becoming celebrities in their own right, it seems, as well. So congratulations to everybody, and uh, as I said, it looks like a bright future, and hope to um, see you folks here in Mason, if not this year, sometime in the future. You are now listening to This and That with David and Brenda. This week's words of wisdom, keeping the tennis theme going, um, come from Billie Jean King. I would say Google Billie Jean because it would take too long to go through everything that she's done for the sport as a player and more importantly in a lot of ways after a player as an, ex- as an exec and being associated with WTA and the like. But our, our words of wisdom come from, from Billie Jean. I think it's um, very appropriate given we were just talking about uh, Coco in the last segment. Billie Jean said, I think self-awareness is probably the most important thing towards being a champion. And you could substitute champion with successful, etc. But being self-aware, knowing, um, being true to yourself, knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are and so forth, that is just, you know, golden as far as being successful throughout life. Not just being a sports champion. Uh, but being, as I said, successful with anything. Parent, wife, husband, student, musician, and so on. Yeah, Corporate I believe, exec, etc. I believe this should be a golden rule of life. That everyone should be aware of who they are and what they want to do and what they want to become. Because if you know that, life will be good to you. But, but it's one of those things... Unfortunately, it, it seems just like common sense isn't that common, as my grandmother would say. Um, being self-aware is not um, a given. And I know that there are folks who teach leadership and a whole bunch. I don't know of very many places that teach self-awareness just as is, standalone. You might be taught self-awareness, but it's tied usually into some sort of lifestyle thing or spiritual, religious kind of aspect to it which should just be carved up and separate, my opinion on that. Be self-aware, everybody, just like Billie Jean says. Comments? Send your feedback to thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. Well, that brings us to the end of another edition of This and That. Right, and a lot of things happened this week. Um, one, one thing I would like to say is... Um, our prayers go out to everybody out in uh, California who uh, they had the twin earthquakes, what I'll call the foreshock and aftershock, 6.4 and then 7.1 today out there. And there are lots and lots of aftershocks. And who knows, there's still a, I think, a 20% chance of yet another bigger quake. 
Yes. And the next Our few prayers days definitely weeks. go out to the folks on the West Coast. Um, because I believe that last earthquake that they had, the 7.1, could be felt as far as Nevada or Las Vegas. Yes. So um, there's a there's a video of I don't know what casino, but the chandeliers overhead are just swaying. That's how strong. So everybody it, it keep was. safe um, and be aware of any kind of hazardous weather conditions going on in your area, because it's now hurricane season. For those in the southeast, um, there's still tornado season, I think, going on for those of us in the Midwest. And um, and you got and earthquakes too, yeah. going on, on on the West Coast. So everybody, just be aware. Because winter will be coming soon, and we're all going to have to be aware about the winter antics uh, that winter, are going on. Winter already came. Winter 2019. <sighs> It's a Game of Thrones reference, Brenda. It went okay. over your head. <laughs> I didn't watch Game of Thrones, so what can I say? Went over your head. Any, anyway, we digress. But that's, that's it. I just wanted to make sure we, we said something about that because um, there, there's so many things we could, we could talk about. Yeah, but and we're going to save a lot of, of the other stuff for the next time. Absolutely. So until then, all the best. Peace out. Bye, folks. You have been listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything about anything. This has been hosted by David and Brenda and is presented by AboutGreaterCincinnati.com. Music by Pottington Bear. Please subscribe to our podcast so that you can stay up to date about future episodes. If you have any comments or suggestions about this episode, future episodes, interested in sponsorship and or advertising, please email us at thisandthat at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. All rights reserved. Thank you and all the best.